Hello and welcome to episode number 17 of News of the Nerd, the podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, comic books and anything else remotely nerdy. I am Ben and I am here with my brother slash co-host Jason. I thought we agreed that the aggressive slashers were my signature. That wasn't an aggressive slash, that was a like, let's get ready to rumble, it was like a slash... Okay. It was like a <laughs> WWE entrance slash. I was thinking more boxing, but okay. Nah, boxing's fake. <laughs> <laughs> How are we anyway? How are we? I'm good. I'm good. I've just been looking. It's been a long time since we've uh, just done a, a general episode because obviously the last episode was Guardians. Yes, it was. Quick question. How are you feeling about Guardians now that we've had some space from it, like has it gone up in your estimations? Down? I feel like you know sometimes after you've had a week or two to to let it sink in, your feelings on it can change. Um, I think it's one of the better Marvel movies. Yeah, yeah, I'm there with you. I feel like I think it's better than Guardians One. I yeah, I think it could be. I really think it could be the best Guardians film. Which is saying something. Because of one, not two, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, two's not a bad film. (laughs) I mean, it's shit, but... It's not. It is. Ego's shit. (laughs) The only good part about it is the big CGI fight scene at the end, and we don't like those. (laughs) You're allowed to like them if you want. No, because I like everything, apparently. (laughs) You do. That's true. I don't like your face. I don't have a face. This is a podcast. (laughs) We are face. We are the faceless men. Yeah, we look like the uh, silence out of Doctor Who. I was gonna say the like big balls of energy (laughs) from Futurama. Like we're just there, like floating, like on the chair. Like we are, we sat on the chair, but just floating above it like a ball of energy. I, I was thinking less like big balls of energy off future armor, maybe just for floating brains off future armor. Yeah, no, that works. I just, I just like the image of us actually hovering over the chair, like yeah, it's serving a purpose. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about some news. We've got some news. Not a great deal, but we've got some news. Not a great deal. We're just going to have a chat, really. That's all this and episode's going to be, is just us having a chat about things. And then you finally watched uh, Into the Spider-Verse, so we can talk about that as well. The first thing I want to do, it's not it's not news. I want to debunk some news. Oh, are we, on the, are we, are we becoming a debunking con- uh, podcast now? Yeah, I need okay. I need to debunk this news because you know I I see this all the time. Every now and again, there will be some news that comes out where it's like, this YouTube video is the most disliked, whatever this. And so last episode we talked about the Marvels trailer. Uh, you predicted that it would get a lot of hate, which it did. Yeah, and then in the days following that, a lot of places started reporting that the Marvels was the most disliked MCU movie on YouTube. Have okay. you seen that? Um, I've seen, like, 
I've not seen Vidit on YouTube, but just like sentences saying that it's the most disliked trailer. Yeah. But this has been reported by a lot of places. This has been reported by places like uh, NME, uh, places that should know better. So I need to debunk this because it's almost certainly does not have anywhere near as many dislikes as people think. Uh, and I say I'm debunking it. The truth is, like, we don't know. There is no way of knowing how many dislikes this actually has. Unless Marvel want to tell us. Which they won't. For people who don't know, YouTube, was it last year? The year before? But fairly, yeah. you know, fairly recently, hid the dislikes on YouTube videos. There's a Chrome extension that you can download called Return YouTube Dislike. And it adds it back in. So it looks like you can see the dislikes again. And that is where these articles are getting their numbers from. It's this extension that is saying it has got however many dislikes. I can't remember the exact amount. Is that just of people that are using the extension, though? No. Like, is it just people that like to complain are downloading this extension and they're being like, wow, everything's got so many dislikes? Well, that's that's the interesting thing. So the extension cannot see how many dislikes there are. Only the uploader of the video, which is Marvel and Disney, can see. If they hack Disney's YouTube account, yeah. Only someone with access to that YouTube account can see the actual number of dislikes. So I've looked into this. And it turns out that the way the extension calculates its dislikes is it takes the number of dislikes from people with the extension, because it can see that, it knows how many people with the extension have pressed dislike. It divides that by the number of likes from people with the extension, and then it multiplies that by the number of public likes, which... Sounds like a decent way to get a rough estimation of the actual number of dislikes. But it's not a representative sample because the people who are more likely to download this dislikes extension into Chrome, they're people with like a vested interest in things having a lot of dislikes. They want to see how many dislikes something like the Marvels has got because they want it to be hated. So the people who are downloading the extension are much more likely to be disliking videos than people without it. And so it's artificially pumping up the numbers. Uh, I've read an article, uh, which is where I, I found the formula that is used. I read an article from uh, a website called Automation, and they said that some of their YouTube videos the extension shows 20 times more dislikes than the real number. So when in actual, when it's the, uh, they're saying it's the most hated trailer, it's in actual fact the least hated trailer. It's probably not the least disliked either. And it may well have the most dislikes, but I would, I would put money on it not having anywhere near as many dislikes as is being reported. And like, like I said, the point is... A lot of places have been reporting that it is the most disliked trailer of the MCU. But the the fact is, we just don't know. We don't know if it is or not. It's one of the coolest trailers in the MCU. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think it looks great. (laughs) It looks sick. 
which you know we, we've already discussed the trailer, but I, I just needed to mention that chances are it does not have anywhere near as many dislikes as what is being reported. And the only people disliking it are sexist, bigoted, racists. You know, like probably not the only people. <laughs> that is the only reason to dislike that trailer. If you don't like women. But yeah, but there are people who, you know, they they download this extension because they want to see they want to see how many dislikes all the woke trailers have got. Oh my god, it's so woke. Let me see how many dislikes. Ha! It's the most hated thing in the world. And people like that is what is pumping up the, the numbers for the dislikes using this extension. Anyway, now I'm done with that. I think we should talk about the writer's strike. Yeah, I've. To be fair, I forgot about that because it's it's like been a while since we actually spoke about news. Yeah, and like it's still ongoing and maybe ongoing for a while yet. The last time the writers stroke stricken, it was in 2010, and I think that lasted for like a hundred days. So that's what just over three months, and it it. It caused some chaos with TV. I think it's ultimately what killed off Heroes. I don't know if you remember Heroes. Yeah. I remember it interfering with Lost quite a bit as well. And as far as I can remember, that is the first time that mid-season breaks started to happen because they they had no one writing the episode, so they had a break and put something else on. And then that just seemed to continue since then. Um, I don't know. it, It might have been a thing before then, but nowhere near as common as what it became. Last strike was in 2007. I'm sure it was. I heard 2010. 2007. Okay. It's 15 years ago. But yeah. Last uh, yeah, that makes sense because it's... Lasted 100 days and then yeah. before that it was 1988 when it lasted 153 days. I think I want to talk about what they're actually striking for before we talk about things it's interfered with because I feel like it can be easy to see, you know, it's interfering with the... TV shows that you want to see, uh, you, you know, get back to work, you bastards. I want to see these. <laughs> but when you hear what they're actually after, most of it is really reasonable. So there's two big things that they want more regulations on. The first one is like of the time, and that is about AI. They want safeguards against studios using AI to write their TV shows and their movies. And so that they can't so to basically keep them a job. Yeah, because all AI does. I mean, we've as, written, as we've as, written some. Yeah, like you know, we, we we've had fun with AI, but it is a real threat to a lot of different kind of jobs, and I think writing is one of the big ones. I saw someone online say that we should stop referring to it as artificial intelligence and start referring to it as a plagiarism machine. <laughs> <laughs> because that's basically what it does. It, it you know it, it takes the data and it churns out something similar. So, if a studio wanted like you know I we, we I need a police procedural, they just feed it all the police police procedurals that have come so far, and the AI will churn out something a, similar. What? Police procedurals. What, what's one of them? Uh, anything like uh, NCIS, CSI. Um, I don't know, is Blue Bloods like that? I've never seen it. It sounds like it could be. Lucifer, even, is a police yeah. procedural. Got yeah. So nine-nine, kind of. Uh, well, yeah, it's kind of a spoof for a procedural. But 
you know, then it could it could churn out an entire series, and then all they'd have to do is hire one writer to go through and make it make a bit more sense, change some of the names. So they want safeguards against AI, which I think is fair. Yeah, especially like with everything happening at the minute. And then the other thing that they're not happy about is streaming, because what used to happen back in the day is, you know, you write a TV show and you get paid for it, and then if it's successful it starts getting repeated and you get paid again. You get paid every time it's repeated. And then if you hit, I think it's like a hundred episodes or something, then it goes into syndication and starts getting sold to other networks and you get paid for it again. And every time it's shown, you're getting paid for it. So think about like the Friends writers that at its height in like the, the early 2000s, I reckon, was being shown on TV somewhere in the world at all times. Like there was never a time there wasn't an episode of Friends being broadcast somewhere in the world. And every time an episode is being broadcast, you're getting, you know, not a massive lump sum, but you're getting a small piece of what the network is getting paid from the advertisers. Which if you're the creator of it, again, it seems fair to me. If you if you create a massive hit, you should be getting paid more. The more it's played. Yeah, you, you should be getting paid more for the more money you're making the studio. Uh, but they've lost that with streaming. How does the pay work with streaming? With streaming, they get they get paid once. They get paid up front, they get paid a lump sum. And I think because the... So even, the, if, the, even if the show turns out to do, like, amazingly, they've still just been paid that lump sum. Yeah, and I think they class it as new media... Because the Writers Guild contracts are renewed every three years. Everyone in Hollywood has this like three-year contract. So the writers, the directors, the actors, all the different unions have these like three-year contracts. So every three years they come up for negotiations. So in previous negotiations, they've branded streaming as like new media. Like, you know, we, we don't know how well this is going to turn out. And you know, at first as well, it was just like, you know, that we're buying TV shows in. I'm playing it. We're not making TV shows for streaming. We're just showing old stuff. But now that's not the case. Now most stuff is being made for streaming. So then losing money on that. Yeah. So they get paid up front. They might get paid a bit more because it's going on streaming and they're not getting royalties. But after that, you get nothing. And if it's something like Stranger Things, which no one expected to take off how it did. Exactly. It doesn't matter if it's Stranger Things or if it's The Floor is Lava. That was so shit. <laughs> I I didn't watch it. I didn't I I didn't need that in my life. <laughs> I watched it. And to be fair, it was quite funny to be fair. <laughs> you just it, said it was it, shit. It Even was funny. Your life was things you think is shit. It was funny how shit it was. And it was Great. just funny how stupid people are. Oh, I'm going to step on this. It's half your size. So I think what they want is some sort of residuals but for streaming if it gets paid a played a certain amount of times you should be getting extra which again is fair something like stranger things is a big draw for netflix so the writers should be getting more money the more people watch it um which also ties into the other thing that they're wanting from the streaming services which is more transparency because on network tv they, they need advertisers, basically, and they need to tell the advertisers, five million people watch this, so, which is why you need to pay us X amount to advertise in it. But on streaming, they don't have advertisers, so they just don't release the numbers. 
the only way you have an idea what's being played more than others is like it's in Netflix's top 10 for a week, maybe. But there's, there's no figures that X amount of people watched this program. So they're wanting that because, well, it's how they sell themselves and how they get more work. If they've got something on their CV and it's like, I made this for Netflix and 10 million people watched it, they need to be able to back that up. Yeah, I think everything they're asking for is very fair and something that should kind of... They shouldn't have to be asking for it. Yeah. With the way the world's going, it should automatically be like, surely this makes sense to be how the contract stands. Yeah, but, you know, the studios are businesses and they want to make as much money as possible Yeah, with the least the business, outgoings possible. From the business point so, of view, you get it, like... But, you know, I, I, I want the people who write my favourite TV shows to be paid well. I want them to be able to make a living off it because that's basically the residuals and things is how people used to be able to make a living off writing TV shows. Because a job like a writer, it's not a job where you're working five days a week, nine while five year round. You might work on a TV show for a while and then not have a job for a few months and then work on a different TV show. So that's uh, that's why it's it's becoming less and less of a of a thing that you can do as a career. And I think they're just wanting to write that. And there's been a lot of support, to be fair. I've seen very little negativity directed towards the writers. And the, 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 the Screen Actors Guild have apparently just held a vote on whether they, they might strike when their contract comes up for renewal. The Directors Guild's contract will be coming up for renewal before too long as well. So, you know, Hollywood's got to watch out if it doesn't want to... Because it, AI is a threat to all these people. You know, you could you could feed an AI... You know, we, we, want, we want you to direct a film that looks like a Tim Burton film. Here's all the Tim Burton films, and it could, you know, churn something out that's similar to a Tim Burton film. And actors are starting to get worried as well because maybe we maybe we don't need to hire extras anymore. Maybe we can just CGI in a massive crowd of people and they're all people that we would have had to pay before and now we don't. Yeah. And I mean, it's like I've been an extra in a really shitty Bollywood film and I got paid quite a lot for not very much. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. for one day's work, I got paid as a, like a couple days' worth of work. And for that, in that one day, I probably did about an hour's worth of work. Yeah. Just waiting for my scenes. The rest of the time, I was just chilling, watching them film, napping, and you get paid an insane amount of money. So I'd be scared if I was doing that all the time. Because the way they can CGI things now is is getting much better, and same same with like actors in general, like the bigger actors that they can't replace. Still, if things are getting designed for streaming, there's that the the royalties from it, you know, being replayed, which they used to get. Yeah, yeah, and like I say, royalties are becoming less and less of a thing now that just about everything is being made for streaming. Yeah. Uh, so, the the picket lines have managed to shut down a few productions. Um, I think largely because apparently the Teamsters uh, Guild, so the Teamsters are, control just about everything on wheels on set, 
So the Teamsters Guild have said they will not cross a picket line as long as there are two people. If there are two people on a picket line, the Teamsters will not cross. So as long as there's more than two people striking. Well, as, uh, if they're, if they're stood in front of the studio holding placards, the Teamsters will not cross. And I think that this managed to shut down Daredevil a couple of weeks ago. I think it might have started filming again now. But they had to shut down twice within a week, so they were like, you know what, we're just going to pause production. Uh, all late-night shows were the first thing to go, though, because they're normally written on the day. Yeah. So, like, the Tonight Show um, with Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon... And uh, that, it Jimmy just Kimmel. shows you. It just shows you how little the hosts actually contribute to that. Yeah. Because, you know, they're not coming up with the jokes. They've got teams of writers writing the jokes, and all of a sudden, if they're not working, the hosts have got no idea what to say. <laughs> it's just they're like, how do I be funny? <laughs> yeah. Stranger Things has been paused. Stranger Things has been paused. Although, so uh, I know Disney have put out a a memo to their showrunners, basically saying, uh, you know, we support your right to strike, and we we support the strike. And you know, if, if you're striking, then obviously we we can't make you write. But if you're a showrunner, then your duties go beyond just writing, and anything else you should still be on set doing. Everything other than writing, you should still be doing. Uh, but I did hear that the Duffer Brothers that write Stranger Things uh, said like. No, because they're constantly, you know, even if I've they're just the editing. Quote. I have the actual oh. quote from them. Go on. Writing then. does not stop when filming begins. While we're excited to start production with our amazing cast and crew, it is not possible during this strike. That's what they put on Twitter. Exactly. So, you know, while they might only be on set observing the filming, but they might watch a take and go, actually, that's not quite right. We need to tweak that line. That's writing. They might be editing. I mean, like, that doesn't flow properly. We need to rearrange these lines. We need to cut that bit out. That's writing. So while they have said, no, we will not be on set, Disney have said to their showrunners, you fucking will be on set. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to be doing anything, but you will be there. Yeah, but Daredevil was shut down. I know pre-production on Blade has been shut down, or, well, has been paused, which is... Annoying because it had already been delayed once, but, you know, it is what it is, and I support the writer's strike. Some other big ones. Season three of Yellow Jackets uh, was put on hold on day one, and the co-creator, Ashley Lyle, said they will resume when the Writers Guild of America gets a fair deal. Fantastic. Again, I've been watching season two. I've actually started watching it. It's amazing, but also have no idea what is actually going on. I... (laughs) Um, I, I I told you when you said you were going to start watching it to message me when you'd watched episode two of series two because that was that was the most that is the last one that I've that is the latest episode that I've watched that is the most what the fuck thing <laughs> yeah because right so obviously if you haven't watched Sheila Jackets and you're going to spoilers so just close your ears for about a minute so basically, it's the fact that obviously they're burning her body. Yeah. Not going to say who, but they're burning her body. 
It's the fact that it plays it as this mysterious force that drops snow onto it, revealing her to be like perfectly cooked like a fucking Christmas turkey. Yeah. And it is it is really <laughs> fucked up, but just the way it's filmed and the, the cut in between them just tearing into and, this yeah, body. Yeah, them waking up and going, what the hell is that heavenly smell? Like yeah. like a cartoon, like floating with the smell. <laughs> but also, I was going to say, it is a spoiler, but also from like episode one, you know that's coming. You know someone's getting eaten at some point, but they still managed to make it shocking when it happened. Yeah, because I didn't realise it. That's how she, I, like, season one, it's with the necklace. And I'm like, okay, so that's her necklace, but she's giving it to her. And now she has yeah. it, but the hair's different. Yeah. And that's, obviously that person is dead. That starts to make a bit more sense with the latest episode. I think dad has ruined it for me. I think he's spoiled it. Oh, okay. And but, told me who it is. They've not caught up to... So there was a flash forward at the beginning of episode one. It's not caught up to there yet. But I, that is not how I thought she was going to die. And I was just like... And then when it turns out she had no... The other person had no idea she'd done it because she was sleepwalking. Yeah. That's horrific. Like, just have that image in your mind. Can you imagine just being like, what the hell's happened? And then someone's like... You was there. Yeah. We, like, we ate her. You ate her. We all her. ate we, her. We, we were you together. ate her yeah. face. But yeah, it is it is one of the most well-written shows since Better Call Saul ended, which actually probably wasn't that long ago, about six months maybe. But still, it is a great show. Also, season two of The Last of Us is on hold. Yeah. Uh, that was according to Variety. And then just a, f- a few others, season six of Cobra Kai, uh, season six of Handmaid's Tale, Severance, and Abbott Elementary. Yeah, I haven't seen Abbott Elementary, but I've heard good things about it. House of the Dragon is still shooting in the UK, because George R. R. Martin put a blog post saying that, well, he supports the stri- strikes, the scripts for season two were finished months ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's and just again- there like, I don't do my thing last minute. I've finished. <laughs> Similarly, uh, Captain America New World Order is filming now because filming had already started before the strike and Deadpool 3 has just started filming as well. The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power will finish uh, filming without showrunners. Wow. On well, set. Um... <laughs> that is a big... Because I think that's what happened with Heroes, basically. They were like... We don't need the showrunners to finish making this and made an absolute abysmal season of TV that basically killed the show. The, do you know Andor? I do. Because they're doing another season, aren't they? Filming is going ahead, but the creator, Tony Gilroy, has stepped away from all on-set duties during the strike. Yeah. Okay, so you're going ahead with it, but the creator is having nothing to do with the creation of it. Yeah, because that's it. Like, studios need to keep making content to keep making money, which is why surely it is in their interest to come to a deal. To be fair, it's probably going to take a bit of time to actually... Like, they probably are trying to find a deal. Well, yeah, but, you know... It's going to take a bit of time. One, on the fact that this has never been done before, the fact they've got to figure out a way of how the pay would work in terms of streaming... 
because obviously they can't pay for every time it gets streamed. Like that, that just wouldn't work because obviously streaming networks get their money from monthly subscriptions. No, but you'd think like a, a certain amount per one hundred thousand streams. But again, that means they need to be more open about their streaming numbers, which they are all very reluctant to do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it is it is a shame that things are getting delayed. It's a shame that things are getting made without the creators on set, and it is probably going to make for some some worse TV. But in the long run, if it means the creators of our favourite shows are going to be paid fairly, then I'm, I'm in favour. Then they should actually do better work. I'm, I'm all for it. Power to the people. Okay, um, that's the, the two big bits from me. So, what what have you got? Mine are kind of like little bits. The Witcher showrunner has actually explained why the series will continue without Henry Cavill. Oh, I saw that. I saw that in an interview, he did say that they considered ending it when he left. No. I I have seen that they said we considered ending it if we if Henry wasn't going to be carrying on, but they ultimately decided against it. So I didn't read it in great detail though. So showrunner Lauren Schmidt Hisrick, sorry if I've just butchered your name, Lauren. Um, ha, she's the showrunner, so she's provided a very good reason, and said basically there's just just too many stories left to tell, and that if the question was raised of why not tell those stories with a different Witcher entirely so your new star doesn't have to live up to the old one. She said, if we replace Geralt with another Witcher, we would be going fully away from the books. Yeah. And I don't think that's what anyone wanted either. Yeah. Which, I, I do you know what? I agree with it. And she said, the Witcher is going to keep going because there are so many different Witcher stories that it can just go on for as many seasons as people will watch it. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not happy about Hemsworth because he's a boring fucker, but to be fair, that might work with Geralt because Arthur at time is a bit emotionless. Yeah, it it could work well. (laughs) It could work in his favour. But I think the whole point is that people would rather have The Witcher in some capacity than not have The Witcher. Yeah, and I am glad it's still going to be Geralt. I, I think if they changed to a different Witcher... It's like, who the fuck it, is this? Like, why do we care? It would feel like a, a jump in the shark moment, I think. And it might be anyway, but, you know, we'll see. A what? Jump in the shark. Have you not heard that term before? Nope. It's basically like the moment when a TV show goes bad. So a lot of people would say uh, Red Dwarf jumped the shark when Kachansky came on board. It comes from an episode of Happy Days. It was an episode of Happy Days where the Fonz, literally on skis, jumps over a shark. And it was seen as like, okay, it's getting too far-fetched now. And that was the moment that people thought that's when Happy Days went bad. It's a known term. I've not just made it up. <laughs> Why has he jumped a shark, though? Because at the time, like, Evil Knievel and stuff was all the rage. So I think that was part of why people didn't like it, because it was seen as, like, it was meant to be set in the 50s, but all of a sudden they're playing into these, uh, like, 80s fads. But yeah, do, do you ever remember two pints of lager and a packet of crisps? Yeah. So one of the main guys on that was called Johnny, and he was played by Ralph Little, 
And when he left, the show kept going. But the way they wrote him out was he he died doing a stunt. He, he won the chance to do a stunt where he got to jump over a shark and he died. But they, that was put in as like a joke. That was like the writer going, it's not going to be as good anymore, you know. <laughs> it was played by you. Ralph Little. He was in Royal Family. He was in Two Pints of Lager. He's, I think, currently in Death in Paradise. So he jumped to shark. Um, yeah, and that was how they wrote him out of Two Pints. Never heard that expression, but okay. Also, why did Red Dwarf jump the shark when Kachansky came on board? Because the two series with Kachansky as part of the crew are the worst two series of Red Dwarf. I disagree. I like I like Kachansky. The first season with Kachansky. The first series with Kachansky is series seven. Series seven. Series eight's bad. Series eight's where the the crew's back to, to yeah, life. That's that's atrocious. Yeah. See, I liked season seven. I liked season six and seven. I thought they were great. Yeah, six is great. Six is part of the the golden age of Red Dwarf. It went from like series three to six is like peak Red Dwarf. Gazpacho soup. That's series one, but that's good as well. So yeah, and The Witcher, I believe season so season three has been released as two parts. Yeah. So volume one will launch on June twenty ninth, and it's the first five episodes, and then the second volume will come out on July 27th which is three three more episodes yeah so it's only eight episodes in total okay if we're talking release dates we've got some MCU release dates Loki series 2 is going to start streaming weekly on the 6th of October so late yeah I was hoping for it a bit earlier than that yeah I do wonder if Part of that is while they decide what exactly they're doing with Kang. Yeah, that's 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 gone south. I have had a I have had a thought about that, by the way. Okay. What I would do, what I would love to see happen, is they they just they find some sort of device that wipes out all the Kangs. So you don't have to worry about all those other Kangs, that big council of Kangs, they're all dead. You know, that that could happen at the end of Loki series two. All the Kangs are dead. Don't have to worry about those anymore. But then there's that one Kang left who got trapped in the battery at the end of Quantumania. And he manages to escape. And he's been in like a like a quantum realm within the quantum realm. And because time like works differently, he comes out and he's like massively aged up. So you can replace Jonathan Mangers with some like massive prestige actor just for Kang Dynasty, just for that one film. So you could replace him with, I was thinking, um, you know, a black actor that could do like a really calm, menacing, slow You're talking. Say Elba. No, no, I'm I'm going older. Oh, Morpheus. No, he's already been in the MCU. He was in Ant Man too. I've got two ideas. So you know, if you want him that slow, menacing, like Bond villain type voice, you go for Morgan Freeman. Okay. Could you imagine Morgan Freeman playing Kang? Or you could go the other way. You <laughs> Can could... you imagine Morgan Freeman just like... Hello, Spider-Man. That doesn't sound like Morgan Freeman, Ben. 
<laughs> it's a narrator voice. Morgan Freeman just narrates his own life. Yeah, but do you not think that he could play a great villain? Like like I said, that, that slow-talking, calm, collected, menacing Bond villain type. It is like a bit psychopathic sometimes. I'm sure he, do, he does... When he plays um, Thaddeus Bradley in Now You See Me. Yeah. So the other way, if you wanted to go a bit more crazy, Forrest Whitaker. Why are you having to Google Forrest Whitaker? Fucking hell. Oh, uh, yeah. Because the thing is, you want these big, older prestige actors to be in the MCU. You want them to have roles, like, just because they're great actors and they're really cool. They've got a lot of star power to them. But they are not going to be signing on for fucking 10 picture deals. So you have them, have them pop up in a single film, which is generally what the villains are. The superheroes, they're the ones that are signing multi-picture deals. But yeah, get Morgan Freeman in one film, maybe a post credit scene at the end of Loki, and then Morgan Freeman's Kang comes back in Kang Dynasty. Why not like Denzel Washington? Yeah, Denzel would be great as well. I feel like that would work. Yeah. Do you know who who would work? But it's not. He's not really older, but Cuba Gooding Jr. I mean, yeah, he's a bit older, I, isn't I, he? I, yeah, but I feel I feel like he's kind of probably same age as um, Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors. No, he's not. Surely, I'll no. ask Hubert Gooding Jr. I mean, he's got to be in his fifties. Nineteen sixty-eight, fifty-five. Yeah, do you think Jonathan Majors is fifty-five? Because I don't. I did. <laughs> Fucking hell! He's thirty-three. To be honest, I thought he was younger than that. I didn't. I thought he was older. <laughs> but yeah, I think that would be a really great way to explain in-universe why the actor suddenly changes. Yeah. Because because he's aged up. Sometimes they just don't explain. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. And that is when they're a Skrull. Like Rhodey. Rhodey, Rhodey is a Skrull. Yeah, I agree. But I feel like Cuba Gooding Jr. would be quite good because I feel like he can play that crazy, like a little bit broken, like he played the like the OJ stuff. Yes, he was great in that. But yeah, if it was up to me, that's what I do. I've seen I've seen conflicting reports. I've seen reports saying Marvel is not considering replacing him, and then I've seen others that are saying they're making plans just in case we need to replace him. Let's just get Billy D. Williams on it. Which I, I there is no way that they they aren't thinking. You know, th- this might be a possibility. We might have to replace him. There's no way they're not making some sort of backup plan. Maybe they, <laughs> they should replace him with Ezra Miller. And on that bombshell, that's the end of today's podcast. And the end of the podcast altogether. <laughs> No more episodes. No, so Loki Series 2, October the 6th, and it's going to be weekly. Have we had a a release date for What If yet? No. Where is What If? What is happening with it? I think it's just going to be like a surprise drop one day. We're going to drop the lot on Disney+. Plus. You said that last time. Yeah, and it still might happen. And that was like two months ago. I, I was curious what day of the week that was. That is a Friday. What is? October the 6th. Okay. So Loki, they've obviously got faith in Loki because 
to be putting it out on a Friday weekly when they've been going for Wednesdays. Are we having a weekly episode drop? Is that what it is? Yeah, so weekly episode drop of Loki Series 2. Echo is releasing on November the 29th. The whole lot. That's a Wednesday because they don't care about it that much. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does make you wonder... if And the fact they're dropping it all at once. Yeah, it does make you wonder if they don't have the same faith in Echo. I did, again, I saw an article, and this is why I tend not to report on rumours, because, like, one person on the internet can go, well, I heard, and all of a sudden it's a story. (laughs) I Um, heard? Well, everyone's now heard. So what this was was someone saying, I heard that... Kevin Feige thought that Echo was unreleasable until the reshoots, and they had to go through reshoots and like redo the whole thing. It has since uh, been revealed that Echo hasn't actually had any reshoots, so <laughs> so that's that debunked. Just straight away, it's like, no. It does make me wonder how much faith Disney has in Echo if they're dropping it all at once, which is something they've never done before. Yeah, any other release dates? Uh, no, I think they're the, the big two that I've seen. Well, at least we'll get to see James Earl Jones as Kang. <laughs> so. Yeah, see, there's so many, so many good older, like, black actors that they could cast that would, I think, blow it out of the water. Um, so while I said I don't like to report on rumours, there is one that I do want to report on this week. Oh, here we go. So, Jeff Loveness who was the writer of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Has gone missing. <laughs> and he he was slated to be the writer of the Kang Dynasty, and apparently he is no longer going to be the writer of the Kang Dynasty. I wonder why. Well, this is the, the crazy thing, is that the rumour was he was being fired because he was a leaker. You know, like, you get these, like, scoopers on Twitter that post, like, inside details from Marvel production. Rumours were that he was being fired because he was a scooper. He's since come out and denied being a scooper, but not denied that he's been fired. (laughs) So, like, he addressed the the less pressing matter. Yeah. Do you know what? It's him that started the (laughs) rumour. Just a little bit of casting, but Adeline Rudolph is going to be playing Katana in Mortal Kombat 2. And what's she been in? Uh, Sabrina. Oh, okay. I thought she was she, playing she... Jade. I thought I'd seen she was playing Jade. No, her co-star that was also in Sabrina, um, Tati Gabrielle, is playing right. Jade. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. So they they were like sisters in Sabrina. Right, makes sense. But I think, so Jade is, Jade is, I think, like, an adopted daughter of Kitana. I'm just, like, the Mortal Kombat lore is, like, pretty crazy. So long. But she's not the one that's a clone. It's Melina that's a clone, but she gets spliced with Tarakan DNA, which is why she's got the big teeth. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if we'll see uh, Melina as well. Although, I'm trying to think, was she in the first one? It's been that long since I saw Mortal Kombat. Um, it wasn't. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it, it wasn't. It, it wasn't it, terrible, but it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't amazing. But I feel like it. It, it was all right. It wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Like I want to see the tournament. I want to see the actual tournament. Yeah. 
and that's not what we got. Uh, but I am glad that they're making a sequel. The Hollywood Reporter posted a rumour, naughty naughty, that we may be getting a potential Sub-Zero prequel. I mean, the Hollywood Reporter does its research, so chances are, if that is reporting on it, then it has at least been discussed, which would be cool. Um, if you don't have any more like movie TV news, that might be a good time to move into gaming news. The other thing I've got is, do you know all this hullabaloo about the Little Mermaid and Ariel and the changes that have been made to film and, yeah. oh, it's so woke? Jodie Benson, who's the original Ariel, has actually praised the story changes to the Little Mermaid. Cool. So she's she said, when you look at our film, we started the, in the studio in 1986 and we were released in 1989. Times change, people change, cultures change. What matters and what is important changes. And as a studio, we need to make those adjustments and we need to take into consideration what's going on around us. We need to be aware. Basically saying to everyone else, shut the fuck up. We're not just going to do it word for word. Uh, last I heard, it was at about 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. I've got uh, a fi- It's made $120 million in the, its Memorial Day opening. I didn't actually realise it had opened yet. It's going to be one of those films that has a massively lower audience score than a critic score. Yeah. Because it's going to get... And, and I think that's going to happen with the Marvels as well. Because critics look at the actual film, not the fact it's full of women. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll confirm it for you now. Oh, my God! What? So, The Little Mermaid has 72% on critic score. Yeah. It's oh, audience okay. score. Wait. Let me guess. 20. The audience score is 85. Wow. <laughs> I am shocked. And it's Halle Bailey, not Halle Berry. Just yes, I know. I'm telling myself, not you. <laughs> The name is so similar. Yeah. But no, that is shocking. But it does stay f- it does stay fewer than 50 verified ratings. So if I click I think I can click on the ratings. How does a rating get verified if it's from audience members? I think you have to upload your ticket stub. <laughs> no, I think that it's people that vote all the time. Yeah, maybe. They're um, trusted members. Yeah, because they're not going on there to praise it. So if I change it to all audience, which is 2,500 plus ratings, it drops down to 47%. Yeah. With an average of 2.7 out of 5, whereas with the verified, 50 verified, it's 4.3. Yeah. So, like, looking at the top critics, it it changes when you look at things. So it's 170 critic reviews brings it to 72%. But if you look at the 41 top critics, it's only 49%. Wow, that's interesting. You know what I, I've just watched before we started filming? They've released a new trailer of a Barbie movie. And it looks so fucking fun. It looks ridiculous. It looks like such a good time. Like, I cannot believe that I'm looking forward to the Barbie movie, <laughs> but I am. 
I knew you'd look forward to the Barbie movie. <laughs> There's a great, like, you know, like the text that flashes up in trailers that's kind of replaced the voiceover guy. It pops up and, uh, about halfway through and it says, if you love Barbie, this movie's for you. And then it shows Barbie talking to some girls that are going, we haven't played with Barbie since we were like five. And then it says, if you hate Barbie, this movie's for you. <laughs> so if there's only one thing that I think is a negative going for this film so far, and that is that the main, the villain of the film is being played by, oh shit, I can't remember his name now, Will, the guy out of Elf. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, yeah. No one likes Will Ferrell. I mean, people seem to like Will Ferrell. It's really annoying. I think it's annoying. But it looks like he's like the head of Mattel. Like, they're making Mattel the villain of the story, which is interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, it does look like... It looks like a lot of fun. It looks really self-aware and really funny. And yeah, just just a good time. You know, one thing I should mention before we start talking gaming. Remember when, when James Gunn got made head of DC movies and I said it's really good for us because he's he's always on Twitter debunking stuff and confirming stuff. and Yeah. Um, he said he's going to stop debunking Superman rumours because he's getting like that many sent to him that he's worried people are going to start being able to work out what is true from what he doesn't reply to. <laughs> so he's going to stop debunking Superman rumours. He has been confirming some Guardian stuff, and I'm not going to spoil it because there will be people that haven't seen it yet, but in the last episode... My wife popped her head in and made a little cameo appearance. And he's confirmed We're, it. I've seen it. He is. He has confirmed that she was right. So, you know, you heard it here first. So basically, we shouldn't be doing this. She should. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, we had such wrong answers. And uh, the other thing, someone said, will a cast member from Guardians be in Superman Legacy? And he said yes. I don't know who that's going to be. Probably Sean Gunn. I reckon Karen Gillian. As who? Lois Lane? Yeah. That'd be cool. I like her. Yeah. Even when she's blue. Even when she's blue. I said that about Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to gaming, we probably got the same <laughs> bits. Well, we might have a lot of the same. So, have you seen... We were just talking about Mortal Kombat. Have you seen the trailer for the new Mortal Kombat game? Yes, I have seen the Mortal Kombat trailer. Do you know what? It's um, so peaceful until, like, the last 30 seconds and then all hell breaks loose and it's like, oh, shit, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if you if you didn't play the Mortal Kombat 11 story. It basically ends with Liu Kang recreating the universe... Like in his image, um, I've I've not so finished playing Luke the DLC. Was the bad guy all along? No, no. So so Chronica uh, is like in charge of time. She's like the elder god of time, and you find out as the story progresses that she's just reset the universe over and over again. It's like each time it doesn't work out how she wants it, so she just restarts it slightly different every time, and then Liu Kang defeats her takes her like crown and now he's in charge of the universe and he restarts it how he sees fit 
Is that is Liu what... Kang at the end of the trailer then, with the blue and the... Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I am a god. He is now fire god Liu Kang. Wow. I'm going to be playing as him. That, that's why this one is called Mortal Kombat 1, because it's starting from scratch Reset. again. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I always love Mortal Kombat games. Are they going to release it for PC? I don't know, but I do know that it's new-gen consoles only. Are they bringing so, it out for Xbox then? Yeah, but Xbox so It'll be won. on PC then. I, I didn't know if it was a PS5... Ex- I didn't know if it were a PlayStation exclusive. Sorry, not Xbox. Xbox Series X is the one, isn't it? That's the new one. Yeah, yeah. God, the Xbox naming conventions are so stupid, I can never remember. You had the Xbox... And then you're like, oh, it'll be the Xbox 2. No, Xbox 360. And then after the 360, you're like, okay, so now 2. It's like, no, Xbox 1 now. And then <laughs> yeah. you're like, okay, so now 2. And you're like, no, S. Okay. Well, it's, X, it's the series, Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. So you went for small and medium. <laughs> so you went from numbers to close sizes. Fucking dickheads. At least we went PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Yeah, but it makes so much more sense. No one, <laughs> no one's going, which one came out first? Was it the, was it the 4 or the 3? <laughs> no, it was the 1, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and it's just another reason I'm going to have to get a PS5 this year. You've got so many reasons to I get know. a PS5 I, now. Another one is they've released gameplay for Spider-Man 2 and it looks amazing it does and the the combat with Peter's symbiote suit looks so brutal like exactly like it should do but I'm glad they've, they've managed to make the combat between Miles and Peter seem very different so it will feel like you're playing as two distinct characters and yeah. not just two different suits of Spider-Man but they do both seem to, from what I watched, I watched like the full 12 minute gameplay last night and they both seem to have like the underarm webbing because they're both kind of gliding around in some parts of it, which looks really cool. I do like the underarm webbing. Just like another another way to traverse the city. Yeah, one thing I was worried about was that the two Spider-Men weren't going to be distinct enough and it looks like they've solved that with the symbiote suit. Peter does seem like proper brutal in in the way he fights and his actions and everything. There's a cool bit where like four different tendrils shoot out of his suit and grab four different guys and throws them all at once. Do you have to do that with four separate buttons? <laughs> it's like, fuck. You can <laughs> yeah. control each separately at the same time. I bet you'll have that for about the half of the game. Not and even then that. The second half, you'll... Because at some point, the rumours are that Harry Osborn is going to become Venom. So you're going to have to rip off the symbiote and... Yeah, but also in like the first trailer they released, they showed he's got like the the metal arms, like the Iron Spider suit. Yeah. So your fighting style... Maybe the Iron Spider suit got took over by the symbiote. Well, no, because you see at the beginning of the gameplay... He's wearing the normal Spider-Man suit and like gets covered in the symbiote. But yeah, so at some point your suit will change and presumably your fighting style will have to change with it. But I, I really loved the first one. The gameplay was great and the story was great as well. 
and it, it looks like we've got another hit on their hands there. Um, have you seen the reviews of Gollum today? No. Saying that it's the worst thing ever. Yeah, so I just want to read you some headlines. GameSpot's review of Gollum says, We don't want it, we don't need it. <laughs> Rock Paper Shotgun just says, I hate it. The Guardian has the best one. It says, boil it, mash it, stick it in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also, I can't remember, I can't remember who it was now. I did see um, a gaming website on Twitter had posted that they tried to review Gollum, but the review copy played that badly that they couldn't, in all consciousness, give it a score. It's like when I got a U at A-levels. <laughs> yeah, just unclassified. Unmarkable. <laughs> it's like shit. Games Radar says uh, not so much an unexpected journey as it is one to avoid altogether. <laughs> That's just brutal. Which just like it's really sad game. because it looked like it was going to be like this really cool stealth fantasy game, and yeah, it turns out that it's. When I saw it, do you know what my um, opinion was? Like my, do you know what my first thought was? What? Why? Yeah, it. Like, I, I get so that. There's so much cooler stuff you could do with Lord of the Rings. I like, get that, but I do why, like stealthy games. Yeah, but why could you not do like a? I don't know, like a Dungeons and Dragons, Baldur's Gate, or Assassin's Creed style set in, as you're an elf in the city like skyrim sort of game where they, do you know rivendell like you create your elf you're in rivendell well yeah but clearly you know we were trying to do something different how is that not different but, no one's ever done an elf in rivendell but you, you've just said like a Baldur's gate kind of skyrim sort of game they didn't want to do we wanted to do something different clearly and it's it just not worked failed I think like the, some of the biggest criticisms have just been like technically it just doesn't work. Like it slows down to like three frames a second at times. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's just bad though, isn't it? Yeah. The other thing that we need to talk about is Assassin's Creed Mirage. Yes, it looks so so much better than the last few Assassin's Creed games. It really looks like it's getting back to its roots. It looks. It looks like what you think of an Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. And so, you know, I've been playing Valhalla, like the last few episodes when we've spoke about what we've been playing, it's been Valhalla. I'm still playing it. I'm still going through to 100% it. I'm enjoying it more now. Now that I think, now that I've unlocked more combat abilities and things. But at, now at you the can actually do stuff. Yeah. At the beginning, it is just like slash, 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 slash. Now Watch, you've got to switch. a point where you can instantly assassinate more people. Yeah, that is a big improvement. Like you, you can actually stealth things. You get you get the ability to instantly assassinate the like brute type enemies, but it gives you like a little quick time event to do it, and like it feels like a good compromise. I mean, they sh I feel like if you jump on someone and stab them in the neck, they should die, no matter how big and fucky they are. <laughs> like, that's what I hate about those games. That's why I say they're not made like... There are Assassin's Creed games that were made to not be Assassin's Creed games. 
Yeah, they're a different style of game altogether. Which and it, it just wasn't right. I like how they've expanded the, the lore with those games. Yeah. But my, my prediction for Mirage, by the end of the game, they're going to stop being called the Hidden Ones and start being called the Assassins. Aren't they called the Hidden Ones in Valhalla? Yeah. It's and Mirage is a prequel. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was a sequel. No, it's a, a prequel to, um, what's he called? Basim. Basim. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Maybe maybe not then. Ignore that prediction. It's probably going to be him becoming an assassin and then end with him being told, like, you need to go to England. But yeah, I, I have been enjoying a lot of the, like, England references and stuff. And I've just got to Doncaster which is a very close city to us, so that was kind of fun. None Don't of it's recognisable. Don't dox me! Don't <laughs> dox us, come on! But no, the gameplay for this game looks like... It looks like OG Assassin's Creed. It does, and it looks like they've taken like all the best bits from... So there's a bit in the trailer where like your mentor says to you, like, you could get in this way, or you could get in that way. And that feels a lot like Syndicate, I don't know if you remember in Syndicate, there was always like multiple ways in and you had yeah. to choose what, what, how you were going to get to your target. And it looks like they've brought that back, which was always a good addition. Yeah, and I think with where it's set, and like, it looks like this... I'm excited to know what the... Um, like Probably like the precursor stuff in, tied yeah. in there. Like this, There's a dagger... I don't know if you've seen it, but like fucking, it's got like blue energy. It looks like Miss Marvel energy coming off it. Okay. Like just on the, when it says discovered the deluxe edition at the end of the gameplay trailer, it's got this like weird glowy, blue glowy energy sword. Okay. Because I'll, I'll, I've always, and I always like, like, I know they do it in these games more. Do you know how you can unlock like weapons and outfits? just yeah. by playing the game. Like, you don't have to pay for it. Like, you yeah. just play the game and actually do the achievements. And oh, you just do it that's something I should, I should tell you about the, the Gollum game. As a pre-order bonus, you can unlock the emotes pack, which gives you six of Gollum's most recognisable phrases. Aren't there only about six? <laughs> like, <laughs> who? but who wants that? Like, in this single-player stealth game, who wants to, like... Like, what are the emotes going to be? Like, Gollum does a floss or something. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you need that? But pre-order bonuses in general just piss me off. I like, don't mind... Yeah, I don't mind when it's, like, a, a deluxe or an ultimate edition. I don't mind that. It still... It annoys me slightly when it's, like, it, this is going to be the only way to get this part of the game. When it's additions that, like, you either care about or you don't, I don't mind. But when it's something that's integral to the game, it's like, what's the point? I prefer it when it's, like, cosmetics, though. Like, yeah. oh, what's what's the game that's... Killing, Killing Floor 2 does it really well. There's a lot of weapons and stuff that you can pay for and buy, but they are mostly cosmetic upgrades and they aren't any stronger than the weapons that you can get just in the base game. 
Yeah. But it's like, if you just want some cool, fun weapons, you can pay for these different upgrades, but it's not going to give you the edge. Yeah, no, I get that. It really fucked me off when I bought Burnout Paradise, and that's a game that's like, when it's on sale, it's been out a long time now, so it does drop really cheap. So I bought the Ultimate Edition really cheap, and it turned out that part of the Ultimate Edition comes it comes with all the DLC. One of the DLCs is like the master unlock. So you start with every single car in the game. Which means as you're doing What's races Burnout Paradise. So you're doing races where you would normally be unlocking cars, but it's cars you've already got. So you start with like the best cars in the game doing the easier races. You've got so nothing why are to work you up the to. Game? Yeah. Like, it really annoyed me. In the point to play the game to unlock cars and feel proud that you've unlocked them. Exactly. Um, did you ever play Metal Gear Solid? No. You've never played any of them? Nope. I played the first one, and it was really fun. There's no reason I haven't played the others. I just never got around to it. The one that is apparently like the best Metal Gear Solid was Metal Gear Solid 3, and they are remastering that for PS5. Okay. But they're also releasing on PS5 the Metal Gear Solid's Classic Collection, which is the first three games just as they were originally released, which, again, it feels like a way to make you buy the same game again. Like, I can just pull out my PS2 and play those. Yeah, but that's effort. But like, you know, I, you've got to reach up to the cupboard and take it out, <laughs> and then like, I've got my PS2, in. right? Yeah, you got you. You know what I was saying? I know. Yeah, I know. Not not everyone like keeps their old consoles. I guess when they upgrade, the only PlayStation I've not got in this house is a PS, well, a PS One and a PS Five. <laughs> but I've got a two or three. You and will a have a PS Five soon. Hopefully, yeah. Was that a hint? Are you buying me one for my birthday? No! It's my, it's my birthday in like no. two weeks, Ben. Buy me a PS5. No! <laughs> the other big announcement, which again, I've never played Alan Wake, but people love it, and it's a survival horror game, which I've, I've always enjoyed. I've seen that, and I'm like, I've never heard of this game. <laughs> but yeah, so we've announced Alan Wake 2, which lots of people were really excited about, and then they announced that it isn't getting a disc release. It's going to be digital only. And I saw a lot of people commenting about that, saying, well, I guess I'm not buying it then. Because there's still a lot of people that do not want to buy digital, and understandably so. Because buying digital, you do not you do not own the game. You own the game up until it gets taken off the store. Up until Sony's servers go down, which it will happen. Like, you know, the, the 3DS store, I'm pretty sure, has been taken down now. I think yeah. the Wii U store might have been taken down, which doesn't seem all that old. I mean, it probably is because the the Switch came out, like, five years ago. But basically, it doesn't matter how many games you bought for that. If you haven't got them downloaded onto your console, you can't get to them now. Yeah, and it's true. Which is, you know, like I said, I've still got my PS2 here. Any PS2 disc I put in there, I can still play. I don't have to worry about it disappearing out of my library. But yeah, talking about games, um, Sony have announced a new PlayStation handheld. Yeah. But also wireless earbuds. But well, no, we need to talk about this handheld. It looks... We, it looks weird. 
It looks really weird. It looks like a PS5 pad that's been cut in half. And so and it, sandwiched a tablet in between and it. Yeah, there's an eight-inch screen stuck in the middle of of the thing. But so I feel you, like it would be really comfortable to hold, though. So I'm not sure. Like, it looks too far apart, but but that's not the biggest issue. The biggest issue is you can't download any games onto it. They have to be on your PS5. They have to be on your PS5 and you play so them over, over Wi-Fi, which basically means you, you play them in the house. So why 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 do I need it to be handheld? Yeah, exactly. Because what are you doing at home? You're sat somewhere looking at a screen with a controller. Yeah, I think it's basically so. If your partner wants to watch something on TV and you want to keep playing, then you just switch the game over onto your handheld and play it over Wi-Fi. But it just... It, oh, yeah, because that's going to be much more agreeable. You're not going to get in trouble for that. It just it feels unnecessary, doesn't it? PlayStation yeah, do but... have, like, one of the biggest streaming libraries of games. So I, I would expect that at some point you'll be able to stream games off PlayStation Plus onto it. Yeah, but you'd still only be able surely, to use it surely when you that's going to be Wi-Fi. Why would you not be able to download games onto it? That makes no sense. Yeah, but they also re- uh, released their first wireless e- earbuds ever, which yeah. seems really late for them to release wireless. I mean, not necessarily. Everyone is doing it at the minute, aren't they? I know, but I feel like PlayStation should have done this before. They've got like the proper headsets. It's just earbuds. Uh, I think the technology is only just becoming available to make earbuds sound as good as yeah. you want them to sound. They look really cool. I think they look cool. They do. I'd probably for gaming. And, like- and they're not just for your game. Like You can connect it to your phone as well. Which yeah. I think is the problem with some headsets or earphones. You can only use them with your game. I use earbuds if I'm listening to music or podcasts or something while I'm walking. But that's my only use for earbuds, really. If I'm gaming, I want I want the proper headset on. Earbuds aren't going to cut it. I know, but a lot it's of people a... like the feel. Don't like the over the ear feel. They want just like a lot of people do. Just use the little. Yeah, but yeah, the the main point of that is that the the handheld looks fucking stupid. Yeah, I agree, it does. So I've got no more news. No, I think that's it but from I, me I, as well. I, I know you really want to talk about this. Yeah, so I've been telling you to watch Spider Verse like since it first came out. I've told yeah. you it is like probably the best Spider Man film. You finally watched it. What what are your thoughts? I hate it. I hate the fact that I liked it so much. It's great, isn't it? It's really good, and I like the animation. And I don't know why it pissed. I don't. I don't. I don't like that. I'm right. <laughs> no, I just don't like that's. It. I shouldn't have liked it. Like I just don't like that type of thing, but I did. So, I think the animation style is what. One of the best things about it, I really love the attention to detail with the animation. Yeah, yeah, different characters are animated differently, and it looks like we're getting even more of that in the new one, which the reviews so far have been excellent for. It's coming out very soon. Um, it is. It's coming out on the second of June. 
Which, when we release this podcast, will probably be like less than a week. So yeah, we'll probably be going to watch that, and then you'll make me talk about that one. Yeah, but no, I, did, I really did like it, and I liked the animation. Um, I thought the story was really good. Yeah, the, the focus on what it means to be Spider-Man, which... And, and and the loss that's involved in that, and the heartbreak that's involved in that, and the the sacrifice. I, I just, I wish, I kind of wish in it, because I like the little joke of, okay, let's do this one more time. I was once bitten by a radioactive pig, and... <laughs> Yeah. Spider-Ham, I always said I love Spider-Ham. I love that he was a spider who was bitten by a pig, just to just to change it round. Yeah. But also, I mean, he was a spider called Peter Porker. Wait, weren't he a pig that got bit by a radioactive pig? No, he was a spider who got bitten by a radioactive pig. Okay. Why is he called Peter Porker? Yeah, because it's they funny, said, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, I like the fact that he brought out cartoon-style things during the fights and that. What I what I didn't... Not that I didn't like, but I annoyed me a little bit, is obviously Miles has the ability to go invisible and the electricity. Yeah, he can't do it at will. <laughs> no. Why, why does it... Why? Because he's not, he's not fully become Spider-Man yet. No, 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 no. Why can he do it? It was bitten by a different spider. He just has different why? abilities. What do you mean, why? He's... I want to know why. Like, because... I, I wanted to understand where the fuck that spider came from and, like, why it had numbers on it and what the fuck. It came from Alchemex. Yeah, but why? It mean, left why? me it with wasn't... a lot of questions about Miles. Like everyone an... else, I got, and it gave a lot of backstory to them in a very short, like, quick way. Do you know what I mean? Like the Peter B. Parker. Yeah, I think it, it gave his the... backstory fairly quickly, but you knew all you needed to know. I think so in the comics, couldn't... Alchemex was actually trying to replicate Spider Man's powers. It's like if you haven't read comics, you don't know that. And but you, like, you know, why did that spider have the electricity and the invisibility powers? So that's just like that's the only thing that I kind of was like, why? Because I I knew Miles Morales has these powers, yeah, and he always has these powers in every kind of version of him. But you just don't kind of find out why. Like even in the game, when he learns that he can do them. You don't, like, he just, he suddenly can use electricity and he's like, okay. It's like, um, you're not... Yeah, it's just different different spider powers. This is a spider that had bioelectricity and camouflage capabilities. And just like Peter gets the abilities of the, you know, the spider that bit him. In um, fact, I think in fact, I did, in fact Ben, listen, listen, this is important. In Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man, remember, some spiders can change their colours to blend into their environments. It's a defence mechanism. Peter says that to Harry. Harry then says that to MJ. Like, it is, it's, okay. it's been there as far back as What spider has fucking bioelectricity? I don't know, a genetically engineered one. <laughs> exactly, shut the fuck up. Um, I did like Penny Parker. I thought yeah. that was very different. Penny she... Parker was created by uh, Gerard Way. 
lead singer of My Chemical Romance and oh, writer yeah. of The Umbrella Academy. Yeah, yeah. I love The Umbrella Academy. Yeah, I thought it was very different about the fact that she doesn't have spider powers. She has a psychic link with a spider. Yeah. That is in her father's robot. Yeah. And the robot is built to have spider powers. I thought it was a cool twist, um, and I liked the anime style of it. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I loved that. It looks like we're getting so many more different styles in uh, across the Spider-Verse, because it looks like the... I'm pretty sure I've seen in the trailer like the PS4 Spider-Man's in there looking yeah. a bit more like uh, video game CGI, graphics. Yeah. There's even there's a TV spot that's been released that I saw today that even shows some live action in Across the Spider-Verse. What? So it's got, like, actual live action in it? Yeah, like, I'm not going to... Do, do you want to know? Like, it isn't an officially released trailer. Go on. So there's a scene where the main villain, the Spot, goes through a portal and robs the woman who owns a convenience store in Venom. Okay. <laughs> so it might use a lot more of that rather than it just being one. Yeah. Because I doubt they'd show that in the trailer if it was the only time it happened. Who knows? I've also heard that this is going to be the longest animated feature film ever. Fucking hell, how long is it? Uh, I think it's like two and a half hours or 2.20, something like that. How long was the first one? It didn't seem very long. I don't know. Like Animated films don't tend to be as long. Or it like an hour and a bit? It was probably like... Somewhere between an hour and a half and two hours. Hmm. It didn't seem that long. Did you notice, talking about like the cool animation, did you notice the bagel? Hitting the head. Yeah, and it, it when bagel. it comes off, it says bagel. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> I did like, like it. Like my favourite moment in that film. Also, I wonder how many people took their kids to watch that, like, oh, Spider-Man cartoon. And then, like, very early on, you get Kingpin just beating Spider-Man to death. With one hit. Why has Kingpin got such small arms and legs, but just, like, a massive chest? Yeah. Like, I guess it's, it's it's an animation style, isn't it's it? It's just weird, though, isn't it? Um, it? It's been like that in the comic. You know, sometimes he just looks like a normal big guy. Other times he does look, like, superhumanly out of proportion. I think it's a good time to move on to a very special segment of ours chatting with the robot overlord to combine two things we've been talking about i have asked chat gtp to write a spider-verse crossover with assassin's creed what is your crossover fan uh, fetish i just i think it's one of the things chat gtp does best <laughs> okay so this is called the Assassin's Web. Okay, spy- I like that. that. That's a great name, isn't it? In an unprecedented twist of fate, the boundaries between parallel dimensions blur, giving rise to a perilous convergence of two iconic worlds. The Assassin's Brotherhood, defenders of justice and masters of stealth, find themselves tangled in a web of intrigue as they unwittingly collide with the Spider-Verse, where multiple incarnations of Spider-Men protect their respective realities. The fates of both universes hang in the balance as an ancient artefact capable of rewriting history threatens to fall into the wrong hands. Act 1. The Crossing Paths 
In a sprawling New York, an enigmatic Templar organization obtains a mysterious artifact known as the Web of Worlds, which possesses the power to manipulate reality across dimensions. Sensing the danger it presents, the Spider-Verse sends out distress signals across realities. The Spider-Verse does that? Okay, alerting the various Spider-Men and Spider-Women to the imminent threat. Get that representation in there, chat GPT. Yeah, boy! At the same time, a member of the Assassin's Brotherhood, Callum... Is that a... Is it just made up a new assassin? Anyway, Callum intercepts information about the artifact and recognises its potential for catastrophe. Determined to safeguard the artifact, Callum sets off for New York. Oh my god, there's so much. It's written so much here. Act 2, Unlikely Allies. As Callum navigates the bustling streets of New York, he encounters different iterations of Spider-Man including Peter Parker, Miles Morales, Gwen Stacy, and even the noir Spider-Man. Initially wary of each other, they eventually realise they share a common goal, stopping the Templars from misusing the Web of Worlds. United by their desire to protect the realities, the Assassins and Spider-Men form an uneasy alliance. Act 3, Weaving Through Time. Together the Spider-Verse and the Assassins embark on a race against time, tracking the Templars across the city and beyond. They discover that the Templars plan to use the Web of Worlds to rewrite history, ensuring their dominion over dimensions. Facing relentless enemies and navigating treacherous obstacles, the team delves into the hidden depths of the Animus, an advanced device that allows them to explore ancestral memories and unlock the secrets of the artifact's true potential. Act 4. In the climactic showdown atop a towering skyscraper, the combined forces of the Spider-Verse and the Assassin's Brotherhood confront the Templars and their enigmatic leader, Alan Rickin. Who's Alan Rickin? Is that a new person that it's just made up? Alan Rickman. <laughs> no, Alan Rickin. Alan Rickman. A fierce battle in shoes. Showcasing the acrobatic powers of the Spider-Men and the lethal precision of the Assassins. As the artifact's power reaches its zenith, the Spider-Verse's realities threaten to collapse and time becomes an unpredictable force. Act 5. In a moment of self-sacrifice, Callum seizes the artifact, severing his connection with his own reality to stabilise emerging dimensions. The Spider-Verse, inspired by his act, use their combined strength to protect Callum and disrupt the Templar's plan. The artifact is destroyed, the Templars are defeated, though Rickin manages to escape. Bid farewell to the Spider-Verse, the Assassins return to their own realities, knowing that the threat has been neutralised but remaining vigilant for future challenges. Epilogue. I told you were a lot. Back in their respective dimensions, the Spider-Men reflect on their encounter with the Assassins. They acknowledge the similarities between their roles as protectors of justice and defenders of the innocent. With newfound respect and a shared understanding, the Spider-Verse and the Assassin's Brotherhood form a clandestine alliance, vowing to watch over their worlds and collaborate in the face of future crises. The echoing of their crossing paths resonate through the Spider-Verse and the Brotherhood, forever entwining their destinies. Do you not think the assassins would lose the shit when they see guys just squirting white shit out the wrists? <laughs> would they not go like a blade pops out of mine? Why are you jizzing everywhere? See, like imagine that the spider people could upgrade the the hidden blade because you shoot webs as well. <laughs> it shoots a web blade. 
Yeah. So like Scorpion. Oh, yeah. Scorpion. Get yes. over here. Exactly. That'd be great. <laughs> They'd also be like, how the fuck does this work? <laughs> I don't have the finger the right I don't have that finger anymore. There's, there's enough like weird stuff in Assassin's Creed. For them to be like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's fine. I've seen like, Juno. Oh. Yeah, like they're probably Isu, like everything else weird is. It's like, yeah, cool, swing in, yeah, cool. <laughs> I don't need but webs to do that. This is the Assassin's Creed film that we should have got, instead of that one with Michael Fassbender. Well let down that was. I liked it. It's not what <laughs> it it's did. not what it sh- could it should have been. But What good? No, like I don't know. I don't know if it was just nostalgia of the fact that it's Assassin's Creed in the movie and I'm just like, yeah. But I have rewatched it. So The crazy thing to me is like, can you imagine writing an Assassin's Creed film and being like, you know what what part of Assassin's Creed people love? It's all the modern day stuff. That's the bit so annoying that there's not that there's too much of that. Well, well yeah. We'll make that the main story, and we'll have all the all the historical stuff, and the running over buildings and assassinating people. That that's minimal. No one cares about that. The stuff. animus that's, in it is so cool, though. The animus in it is cool. Yeah, there's just not enough. There's not enough stuff within the animus. Yeah. You you could have done with like an opening present day bit, a closing present day bit, and maybe two or three little. Little bits in the middle, but the majority Insane. should have been, yeah, the majority should have been the historical stuff within the animus. I agree, but I still watch it for the historical bits and the animus because I think the animus is sick. How the fact they don't just have to lay there now, like they're actually doing it in midair and like, yeah, it's cool. But I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's the episode. I think I think I think we're done. Take us out. Thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch, you can email notedpod at gmail.com or message us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at News of the Nerd. Obviously, the best thing you can do for us is subscribe and rate on whatever streaming platform you're listening to. And obviously, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your mums. But apart from that. That is it from me. So, good night. Toodle Pipsky. Goodbye from him and goodbye from me anymore. <laughs> you never do it. <laughs> Let's try. So it's goodbye from me. See you later. <laughs>